Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello everyone, Tim Sylvie here from the Motormouth F1 podcast. Today, I'm joined by Cleo Collins, the number two mechanic for the Alpine Formula One team. She's an amazing woman. After finding a love for motorsport and getting involved in track days, she decided she wanted to learn more about how to fix her car if it ever went wrong, which it did. She taught herself how to fix the issues as they cropped up and found she was something of a natural. After some persistence, she found herself in racing, working her way through W Series and finally into Formula One. Her story is one of grit, determination, tenacity, and following your dream. Ultimately, finding yourself at the very pinnacle of motorsport. She's clearly on a fast track to success and during this recording reveals her latest promotion, but I won't steal her thunder there. I'll let Cleo explain. Please give us a follow wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really, really helps. And don't forget to check out our website, motormouth.club and our sister show at the OMG MotoGP podcast hosted by former British rider Keith Hewin. So over to Cleo. Enjoy the show. Cleo, thanks for joining me today. Where are you dialing in from? You're in a lovely looking sim racing chair there. Yeah, so I'm uh, currently at home, which is Brackley. So Northamptonshire, kind of motorsport pub, I guess, for Formula One. Yeah, yeah, motorsport valley. Not a million miles away from me. I'm in Bedfordshire, so um, just next door. Now, we like to go back and find out what's made our guests the person they are today. What's brought you to this point in your life where you're now working for a Formula One team? Were there signs of this very early on? When did this interest in motorsport come about? Yeah, so mine is probably a little bit different maybe to other people's roots. Um, I had a track car when I was 19 and I used to work on it at home and try and get things fixed, modifications made, sort of improve it after every track day. Um, and then a lot of the time I'd end up doing track days on my own. So because I worked weekends and got weekdays off, most people would be at work. So I was like, oh, I'll just go do a track day on my own. That's fine. And then it kind of got to the point where I was like, well, if I'm doing this on my own, I should really know how to at least fix the basics just to get myself out of trouble, put something on, get myself home. Um, so, yeah, so I used to do a little bit at home. 
And then through that kind of track days and whatnot, I had a group of friends that worked in motorsport. They were actually mechanics as well. And it was always something that I thought, you know, I love what they do and I'd love to be able to do what they do as well. So um, a couple of years later, it was sort of like a, well, actually, when it came to a change of career, I thought, you know, I'd actually really like to give that a go. I quite like motorsport and I enjoy it as a hobby. So let's see if I can make it as a career. So you're doing these track days and fixing things if they go wrong yourself. How are you learning that? Because you are, you're you're working at the family business and estate agents yep. and and you're now fixing your own track car. Where have you learned to do that? So I was quite invested in uh, the forums and good bit of YouTube as well at the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, mostly just, um, yeah, mostly just forums. And again, I had, um, I had a Mini Cooper, supercharged R53 and I had the turbo ones as well. So I used to be on a lot of the forums for that and you just sort of see common problems coming up and bits of change and someone would have like a detailed description of how to do it. So yeah, mostly that and just word of mouth asking people you know what to do and and just kind of figure so it out there and then you're making that sound very very easy yeah but like th- that's just in some people you like you, you must have been good at like craft design and technology at school or something like that then because i couldn't i've i would love to fix a car and i've watched youtube videos and how to do things and i just can't do it useless yeah. so it was yeah. did you have this sort of innate ability with your hands where you could just fix stuff I don't know. I don't think so. I think it just, <laughs> I think it's more in my head. It's like, a, well, I need to do this and I've got to figure out how to do it and I need to get it done. So I don't know, I'll just get on with it, I guess. I just, yeah, I don't know. Just That's clever. Yeah. I, I admire people like you. It's, it's big brain stuff. Now, did you have a, did you have a mentor or a hero or any sort of inspiration growing up? Um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one again, because I'm, I'm a real late starter into motorsport. I just probably, like I said, 19 as a, like doing track days and stuff, but actually motorsport, I didn't actually do the career change until I was about 25, 26. So I was quite late into that and actually figuring out people in motorsport. Um, I think someone sort of in the industry, Susie Wolf kind of speaks to me quite a lot. Um, sort of just in the way she is, sort of the line of route she's taken and sort of the steps that she does. So that's definitely something that sort of suits me quite a lot. Um, but me- mechanically, I'm not too sure, you know, I guess it's just people that I've worked with and, you know, learnt from them. So they're always quite my big inspirations to, you know, want to know how they do what they do. Now, um, you mentioned the mini, you mentioned the track days. Um, I believe you were going to do your odds or you've done your odds test. Are, are we going to see you actually racing on the track in the future? I'd like to. <laughs> I'd love to race one day. Um, I haven't done my odds yet. No, it's something that I should have done a very long time ago. Um, probably before I started Formula One, because it's quite a bit of a struggle to find the time to do it now. But um, yeah, it's something that I definitely do want to do, and I will get around to it. Maybe, maybe next year. Probably said this last year as well. But um, yeah, I should do it. I've got the book and everything. I've, I've gone through all the details. I just needed to book the tests. So. Maybe yeah, yeah. No, make make it happen. Make it happen. Um, now, after your initial stint with Accelerate Motorsport, you secured yourself a race mechanic position at W Series in May 2021. That must have been a brilliant way to to really hone your skills and cut your teeth. Yeah, definitely. So I'd worked with Accelerate doing the Mini Challenge Series. So we had the Cooper Trophy and we also had the John Cooper Works F56 cars. So that was a really good learning point for me. Um, I think when I got towards the second year of working with them, I kind of got a bit more involved with motorsport and saw that there were a lot of different championships and 
single seaters is something that I wanted to give a go at. So I was like, you know, okay, well, same again. It's like, right, how do I get into this team and how do I get into single seaters? Uh, through word of mouth and whatnot. And yeah, I got into W Series. Um, that was a really big, I think, step in my career, probably. I'd actually probably say that's probably the biggest step in my career was actually getting into W Series. Um, I know it was quite a big thing at the time. And um, yeah, I learned a lot. It was literally learning all over again. Um, you know, obviously I had the basics, but again, you're learning a new car, you're working with new people. We've got obviously a lot of new drivers and they were quite young. So as a very young championship as well at the time. So I think it was quite a big learning curve for everybody mm. um, at the time. But yeah, mechanically, it's something new for me. Definitely. Did you, what, what was the setup there? Did you work for a particular team or did you move up and down the paddock? How was it structured? So normally each mechanic would be on a driver. So we'd have four or five calves to an awning. And then normally one mechanic would be with that driver for the duration um, of the championship, which is which is good. It's a better way, sort of, you as a mechanic know what's on that car. You sort of know anything that you need to look out for. Uh, it's a good rapport with the driver as well. So, yeah, I think it's just a good way to keep it mechanic and driver most of the time. And when you when you first heard about W Series, what did you think? Because it it its mission changed as time went on and there was a lot of detractors when W series first came out as a, you know, single sex series. When you heard about it, do you, did you think at that point, this is good or bad for the sport? Um, I think it was going to get a bit of bad pressy the way you look at it, um, which is a shame. I could see the route that they were going with it. And I knew it would obviously kick up a bit of a fuss with, you know, being just an all female championship. Um, but I also think as well, it was just a good way to highlight other females that people probably never knew about. You know, a lot of the girls were already racing different championships around the world, but they weren't quite necessarily brought to light until they came into W Series, which is a bit more of a wider sort of followed um, championship in the end. So I think, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a hit and miss, really. But yeah, I don't think it's yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how it's all unfolded or folded rather. Um, I mean, a lot of people invested time and effort and a lot of money to make that series happen. And yeah. Catherine, obviously it was, you know, a culmination of, of her vision with, with some other people like David Coulthard. Did you, did you have much to do with Catherine? What, what was she like as a, I guess, as a boss in a way, cause you know, she, she was running the whole thing. Yeah. Um, us in our team, not necessarily too much to, to, to deal with her as such every day. Um, obviously, she'd be in the paddock and she'd always come around and say hello and sort of how things been going. Um, my first interaction with Catherine was when we went to the test. We had like a five-day test in Anglesey. Um, and obviously, at the time, for me, it was quite a big thing and, and whatnot. And I was, you know, super grateful to be there. And I, I think we were at dinner. <laughs> and I kind of went up to her and I just said, oh, you know, I just want to say thanks for giving me the opportunity. So, so I did. I, I kind of... Um, yeah, I just sort of after dinner, she was sat at another table and I just sort of popped over and just said, oh, like, sorry to interrupt, but just want to say, like, you know, thank you for the opportunity. It's something that I, you know, found quite hard to get into, but, you know, really grateful to be here. And, and uh, yeah, and she <laughs> and she turned around to me and gave me, like, the strongest handshake I've ever had. Now, I thought mine's pretty good, but she, yeah, she's got a, a very good handshake. And uh, she almost kind of, like, interviewed me there and then and said something and, you know, what do you want to do and, you know, what brings you here? And it was very direct, but it was... It was quite, um, it's kind of a bit of a setback. Like, oh, God, okay, well, I didn't think I was going to sort of be spoken to like this. Uh, I guess, you know, fluffed it a little bit, but 
but uh yeah she, she's a very direct person but you know great at the same time you know a really good person and um it's nice to have someone else you can sort of speak to say hello to um yeah and I think from that point she'd always sort of say hello thereafter in the paddock and when I've seen her out and about yeah I like her I mean I, I've yeah. you hear mixed things about her and um you know she hasn't necessarily come from a racing background um and she is mad as a box of frogs but we we had her on the podcast and she was great fun and um and and my interactions and dealings with her over the, the last few years have been fairly frequent and and I like her but she does as the series does have her detractors and another one who has her detractors um but many many supporters is obviously Jamie Chadwick she she gets an awful lot of good press but also faces a lot of criticism and and she has struggled in the US where she's racing at the moment um and and she's had her struggles in the past obviously dominated in W series what do you make of Jamie Chadwick and her effect on motorsport and and do you think any of the critique levied on her is is fair yeah I think Jamie Chadwick's great um I I can't I don't have a bad thing to say about her I think she's a she's a great sportswoman um you know, very courteous, great to deal with and work with direct. Um, she's quite clued up on the car as well. So if she ever had anything wrong with the car, she'd sort of be quite direct and say, you know, I think it's this. She was very good with the feedback and that side of things, which made it a lot easier for us as mechanics and engineers to work with and obviously sort the car out, um, you know, best of sort of to her abilities. But yeah, I know she's had quite a bit of a hard time, I think, with work or going out into America. Um but I also think it was a good move for her to do that. I don't think she's done too bad in the championship at all, really. Um, you know, I think she's placed pretty well sort of over the last couple of races. And, you know, she's certainly not at the bottom. So she's done pretty good. I think she's sort of actually proven, you know, that she can do these championships. And she's she's proven in the past when she's racing in GTs. So, yeah, I, I can't really say anything bad about her. I think she'll always get a bit of, a bit of a hard time. And sadly, I think that's probably most sports industries sort of anything that we work in um but no, i think she's very very professional great to deal with and and she's uh yeah great at what she does and she obviously dominated w series yeah she did and and a british gt champion as well um but uh, i think many people forget you know and, and and racing in a in a mixed sex championship so she's got she's got credentials and and there's things like more than equal that is popping up which coulthard is now involved with and um kate bevan who was at formula one for for a couple of decades um, is very involved as well. And they've got this mission to find the first woman Formula One driver and, and potentially world champion. Can you see that happening? And, and do, do you think it's possible at this stage to put any kind of time scale on when we'll see not only a woman in Formula One, but one winning a world championship? Yeah, I think it's hard to put a time scale on it. I mean, if it were me, I'd say I'd like to think within the next 10 years, really. I can't see anything kind of happening in the very imminent future. Um, but then again, there's a lot going on with pushing young female drivers and you see a lot of it coming up through now. So they're getting a lot of support, which I don't think was around, you know, even just as briefly as a couple of years ago. Um, you know, so I'd like to think sort of the next generation that are, as I say, eight, nine, ten, you know, even teens at the moment are getting a lot of support to be that next thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's going in the right direction. It's just sort of the time it will take. And I said, I, I think it'd be about really within 10 years i'd like to think yeah now after w series um a stint with fox motorsport came and then you made it to formula one with alpine as a number two mechanic um with the support team can you just describe for the layman um and stupid people like me what what is your role within the team where do you fit into it 
Yeah, of course. So I was well, so I'm a number two mechanic. Um, on our crew, we are part of the race support team. So we deal with the we work with the academy drivers. So the likes of Jack Dewan, Victor Martins, um, Abby Pullings. We have quite a few young drivers in our academy that we work with, and we obviously they do a lot of sim work. That's not necessarily part that I deal with. That's a different department, the engineers. But we obviously have the car that we run. Um, we'll go out sort of doing private events, circuit hire. And they'll be out in the car, in our F1 car. It's the 521, which is the 2021 race car. Um, they'll be out in that, sort of doing full race simulations and whatnot. Um, and just having a really good feel for what it's like to drive an F1 car and the simulation scenarios that they should know about. So it's really good they get to work on the sim and then actually put that into practice in our car. Um, so that's what I do. And that's the team that I work with or department. Um, my actual role is as a number two mechanic, as I said, we have three mechanics on the car. So we have a front end mechanic, a rear end mechanic and number one mechanic. So I actually started as a rear end mechanic. Um, six months later, I then went to front end mechanic, which is great fun. Um, and I've just actually got news that I will be as of well, the next two weeks, I'll be number one mechanic. So wow, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you heard that, it first. That's awesome. So, yeah. so, and and we were talking just before we hit record um, about the this, this sort of support structure, and presumably all the teams have this. But I, I naively, having worked in Formula One for eighteen years, I didn't even know this thing existed. So, that, so there's this this whole structure from um, a support race team dealing with the the academy drivers and young drivers, like you say, that, that is like a bit of a proving ground to prepare you for the full-blown thing in Formula One. And is this something that happens across the paddock? Because it feels like something that we should be shouting about more because I'm sure if I didn't know about it, many others don't as well. And are probably thinking, how on earth do you get into Formula One? How are these people reaching the pinnacle of motorsport? This is obviously a really useful platform and a great way to make your way through the sport. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So we've actually, uh, my manager said we've actually got, I couldn't name off the top of my head, but I think there must have been about eight. Well, there's a good couple of drivers that are currently in F1, in an F1 seat that have come through our Alpine F1 Academy. So it just goes to show, but I guess you don't really see much of it behind the scenes as to what goes on. But it's, it's a very proven uh, academy that we have. And it's like I said, we've got a few drivers already in their seats in F1. So it's yeah, it's definitely worth doing. Uh, we have quite a few youngsters they come up and, you know, and I guess a few other teams would like to do it, but it's just down to the budget, I guess, and starting off a new team. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously knew that, you know, there were academies. It's I, I just didn't put two and two together that there would be a separate group of people dealing with the cars in those academies. For some reason, I just sort of thought, well, it's, it's obviously just the main mechanics and they just extend their work into working with the academy drivers, but that's not the case. So, so you've got this, this proving ground, but they do give you opportunities to work with the, the full F1 team and you've done races in Spain and Budapest. H how did it feel getting on a plane, going to your, your, your first F1 race as a mechanic and the pressures and and strains that went along with that did you did you deal with it okay yeah it was okay yeah i tell you what it was is uh it's the pit stops that i was a little bit nervous on because nobody wants to get those wrong because <laughs> that is in front of everybody yeah. uh, so i think that was probably the most nervous thing i was sort of you know a bit unsure about just on the, the pit stops cleo so so you're are you when you're pushed up into the main um team 
So who who whose car were you working on, and where were you during your first pit stop? Did they thrust you straight into the the pressure cooker? No, they don't know. <laughs> probably rightly so, because I don't think that's probably the best way to go with no real pit stop experience. Um, so I came in. Sorry, this is the dog. <laughs> well, that's a massive yeah, dog. Is that a, is that a bird? Bernard? Yeah, <laughs> she's come to visit for the day. Bloody hell! So sorry for those that are that can't see this, um, which is probably most of you because it's it's a podcast. But uh, a the world's largest dog just came and licked Cleo on the face. That's the ma- that's a massive dog. What's the dog's name? Oh god, uh, her name's Twinkle. Twi- Twinkle. Yeah, <laughs> that- yeah like, it wasn't necessarily my choice. It was on her. Um, what was it? It was on her kennel club. I don't know, like kennel club name or oh, something. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just like a Twinkle, and then that kind of stuck. Um, yeah, it's pretty yeah. embarrassing when trying to call a battered dog back. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we digress. Yeah. Back to pit stops. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so no, they, they don't. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Put you straight on to the car as such. So um, pit stop practice, I was in charge of nose on and nose off. So even still, in the event of if that did happen, that's quite a big scenario to be ready for. Uh, obviously, you've got to make sure you back into the right places with the nose. You've got to step out of the way. Obviously, work on someone else on the other end of the wing to so make sure, again, we're both understanding where we're going. Um, you know, obviously, you don't want to get then in front of anyone else. Nose going on. Um, yeah, so it's quite a, it's quite a, quite a scary thing to do, really. Um, mm. So that was my pit stop side of things we also run different scenarios during um practice so free practice uh, in which case i was the marker board now me being five foot one having to hold this marker board about six foot tall <laughs> was uh, something new but but uh yeah fine otherwise um yeah so just those two things but to actually go on car pit stop wheel on wheel off gun that is something that you do have to train for um, you know, they won't just throw you straight on it. And and I think rightfully so, you know, we want to get in the right place and do the best that we can in our pit stops. So, you know, you do have to train for that. I, th- I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And and occasionally you, you're watching a, a live broadcast of a race, you see a pit stop happen and, you know, the guy on the, fr- the front left, for example, might not quite get, get it right or gets the gun, get the wheel gun gets stuck or he does something wrong that has a, a direct impact on the race. 
when we watch that on TV and the commentators are like, oh, you know, he's going to be in so much trouble. What a disaster. Um, you know, who is that? It, what's the accountability like within the race team if something like that does happen? Is it a case of everyone rallies around and it's, look, look it's part of the job. Don't worry about it. These things happen. Or, or, or is there like a, you know, you really cocked up there. You've cost us what went wrong. Let's analyze. How, how does that sort of happen behind the scenes? Uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's a very constructive side of things. Um, you know, I wouldn't say someone necessarily lose their job over it. No, um, I think that's a bit that's a bit harsh because accidents do happen or things do fail. So, I think at first, obviously, they will go through and just check what has actually happened and then figure out why it's happened, and then just be quite constructive in how we can stop this from happening again. And you know, is it down to sort of you know user error or is it actually uh, a part that's not correct or the gun that's not worked. So, but yeah, it's not like anyone's going to be losing their job straight away unless it was something really obscene or unsafe, yeah. you know, then, then maybe so. But yeah, it's, it's, I think people think a little bit brutal on the, on the outside yeah. is looking in. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're relatively new to formula one in a sense. Um, like you said, you know, you've come into it quite late, but you're, you're, you're making rapid progress, but even in the time that you've been in the sport, are you seeing change in terms of, um, women and participation and equality? Are you seeing, I, I mean, I've worked in formula one on the commercial side and I see loads of women, um, in PR comms, marketing roles, um, sponsorship, but from an engineering perspective, are you seeing women getting involved and appetites get involved have you seen any change since you've been involved in the sport yeah absolutely i've seen a lot of change um i myself only probably actually worked in mode sport from start to now for about the last four years so again i am very new to it but um but yeah i've seen a lot even in the last sort of two years um especially on the mechanic side of things engineers as well and i think it's just because you know, a lot of women are being highlighted in these roles. So, for instance, Hannah Schmitz, who's obviously Red Bull, um, you know, she does a lot. And again, there that she's quite a big person to look up to for young engineers to show they are doing these kind of kind of jobs and how can they do it. And um, so, with the mechanic side of things, I had a a meeting about two or three weeks ago with some girls uh, from Girls on Track, um, which is a a company that inspiring women or sort of young teenagers into motorsport jobs and um yeah and, and two of them wanted to be mechanics so I sort of ran through with them and what I had to do and, and that's really really welcoming to sort of see that you know and I think as they said they were like we didn't know this was a thing it's only because girls on track came to our school and spoke to us about it um you know they actually thought actually I'd actually really like to give that a go so then, of course, I then got onto the topic of sort of how to do that and my route and what it's like to be an F1. So, yeah, I think it's just that kind of progression, really. What about it, away from the racetrack? Because one thing I'm curious about is, and, and again, talking to to other women that are in the sport um, and, and in my world, you know, like I say, on the commercial side, I talk to some women that are involved in the sport and, and part and something that they face is... Um, looks or frowns or question marks when when they talk to people in the pub or you know they meet people out and about and they say oh, i work in formula one it's like oh, come on you know really you know you're, you're a woman in formula one whatever have, have you experienced any of that sort of negativity as you've sort of gone about your daily life away from the racetrack no not really they're always really impressed <laughs> and i always try to really play it down i'm like no it's just you know it's another day in the office i'm just do my little thing and no, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite sort of, uh, 
I keep it to myself most of the time, to be honest. But no, I've never had, honestly, I've never had any problems with someone sort of saying, oh, you're doing something that you can't do or you shouldn't do or is not something known that women do, um, especially as a mechanic. So no, I've never had any problems with it. Um, if anything, they're like, that's pretty, that's pretty damn cool. Um, <laughs> it's more the response yeah. I get. So yeah, but I have he- I have heard of people having problems. I mean, let's not say that that doesn't exist because it does. Um, but I've just I've just luckily not had it myself. I guess. Yeah, and I, I think often it's a Twitter problem. It's the it's the Twitter mobocracy or X, um, you know, that 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 love to hide behind their keyboards and say ridiculous things. Um, now, in terms of Alpine this season, um, as we speak, what's the date today? Fifteenth of September. The run up to Singapore. Pierre Gasly P10, Ocon P11. <laughs> P6 and constructors, decent points advantage over Williams, um, McLaren a little way ahead. But the midfield battle has been really exciting this year. And I know there's been a lot of people who have bemoaned the uh, the state of Formula One with, with Max Verstappen winning everything at will. But behind him, you take him away, remove him from the equation, and we've got a brilliant championship going on behind him. Uh, how do you look at the performance of Alpine so far this year? And, and, and what do you think the expectations are for the, for the remaining um, eight or so races? Yeah, I think we've had quite a lot going on this year. Um, I think we finished very strong last year and you know, we wanted to carry that through into this year. So expectation, expectations were quite high. Um, which is good because obviously it gets the team, the factory, everyone's sort of rallied up for the following year and it's not quite panned out as well as we would have liked to. Um, and then, of course, we had the change in management as well that was announced just before the summer shutdown, um, which, again, is just another step, but it just goes to show that, you know, they do want, you know, we want to be winning, and, you know, we need to get the right people involved and, you know, they're sort of making those changes uh, to do so. Um, I don't want to comment too much on that because that's not necessarily my forte. Um, you know, but again, as I can see that they're trying to make changes to improve the team and sort of finish higher up on the grid. So, again, I think that's just going to be a, a case of just a bit of time, seeing how it works, getting one to those new positions and see where we go from there. And we've got some regulation changes coming in 2026. How, do you do you start to align your own career with those changes? Do you sort of think, well, you know, at some point you're going to move up to the to the main team and you're going to be there full time on the grid? Th- th- those changes are going to have a big impact, um, far more efficient engines. Um, and, and, you know, as the teams sort of diverge and, and everyone gets used to the current regs when it all changes again in 2026 it's blown wide open but are you looking forward to those changes and, and do you sort of earmark that potentially as a as a point when you're like right now i'm you know fresh start in f1 seems like a good opportunity to to jump up into the main team yeah of course i think it's exciting when it's when there's changes involved um we essentially get a car pretty much for two years which is more or less the same and then for us as mechanics we have to learn a whole new car again um, so it keeps it interesting for us um, designers as well obviously it keeps them we have a lot of chat with designers that come down to us and sort of say you know did this work in the past is it worth doing do I change it do I take it out um, so yeah it keeps it exciting with with the changes and again it gets to show people to on their skills in design engineering you know and what works and what doesn't so it's always a constant progression with Formula One um, and what we can do and how we can expand it and and what are your longer term goals? I mean, presumably, you know, this is it for you now, Formula One or at least motorsport. Um, what what are the plans? Do you think forward five, ten years? Backtracking a bit. The reason why I got into motorsport was because I always wanted my own racing team. Um, I think that's still a long term goal of mine and the very 
very distant future. Um, you know, I managed to get myself into Formula One and, and that's something I really want to stick at for a good couple of years and I want to learn everything. Um, you know, I'd like to be race team number one mechanic at some point, but I appreciate at the moment I've got I've got a lot to learn. Um you know, on car stuff. But again, that's where the support team, what I'm doing now is a great way for me to learn that. Um, but yeah, I think in the next couple of years, I'd like to think, you know, get into race team, sort of number two mechanic on that, and then eventually go race team number one mechanic. Um, you know, but that's quite a bit of hard work. I'll get my head down, get my nose in a book and learn as much as I can from the people around me. So hopefully that. What do you, what do you completely crap at? <laughs> completely crap at? <laughs> Or working on car or in general or no, <laughs> day in to general. day life? Like you're, I mean, I hope you're not crap at working on a car. <laughs> that, that would be alarming. Um, but what, what, do you, what, are you completely, what are you completely useless at outside of, you know, the day job? What, what are you crap at? Like we had, we had Andrew Vanderberg on the show uh, last week, who's the founder of The Race, and he's completely terrible at drawing, yeah. can't, can't draw to save his life. What are you really shit at? Yeah, I'm pretty shit at drawing as well. I can't do that to save my life. I tell you what, anything that's height related as well. Because it's genuinely, it's, it's a hard Height thing. Height-related. Height-related, yeah. Like anything like basketball, netball. Like I love sports. I really love sports. Uh, I grew up with two older brothers, so it was always kind of like sort of drilled into me as a kid, uh, like skateboarding, mountain biking and, and whatnot. And um, yeah, anything like, anything like heights. Netball, useless. Basketball, useless. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, vo- volleyball, stay out of that. Yeah, volleyball, no chance. Yeah, unless it's on the floor all the time, yeah. then I can get that one. But otherwise, yeah, tennis, absolutely yeah. rocking out. I can't run quick enough from one end to the other. So, yeah, just stuff like that. <laughs> and I love and it's a shame because I love sports and I'm really competitive and I just <laughs> I can't do it. Can't do it. Too short. I hate to say I can't do something. Yeah. Something, yeah, that I actually am a bit, it's a bit of a struggle. Um, but, yeah. And uh, before we come on to our final three, which we ask everybody that comes on the show, the final three questions are always the same. But there is one thing on your Instagram profile that stood out to me. And um, I'm a watch nerd. Um, I love watches. And you had a, you have a link to a watch uh, marketplace on your biog. What's the connection? So that is my brother's company. So over the last couple of years, I've been helping him uh, get that set up. And uh, again, we both were very much into our watches. Um, I think when I was 20, 21, um, we used to buy quite a lot of sort of, I'm going to say Rolex watches, really. Um, we used to buy quite a lot. We used to take a bit of a punt on it and go, God, you know, buy them off eBay from, I don't know, like Spain, Italy, stuff like that, and just sort of hope that it would A, turn up and B, be the right thing that you've bought. Um, yeah, and then we used to bring them, so yeah, we used to just bring them back to, buy them off eBay, bring them back, make a bit of a profit on them, get them sort of valued up and cleaned and polished and then sell them on, make a bit of a profit. So that was when we were about 20 years old. My brother's a year older than me, so he must have been 21 at the time. So we did quite a bit of that, um, sort of between 21 and 23. And then, yeah, I think my brother was sort of always had this vision. You know, my family, they've all got their own businesses. So my dad's got his own business, mum has as well brother has um I always said I'd like to have my own business eventually um but yeah his was to start up a watch marketplace so yeah so that is his um launched it a couple of months ago and he's forever changing the website and just sort of trying to get it user friendly but it's essentially like the best way to explain it um is that it's almost like say auto trader for watches 
it's the same principle. You're dealing direct with a, you know, with a seller. They're all verified sellers. So he actually goes in, he meets the dealers, he speaks to them, um, just to make sure they're legit, obviously tells them what about what he does and what he's offering and, you know, what they would like to do. And so they are all genuine dealers. And then, of course, buyers are like, my, you know, you and I myself just having a look and wanting to find mm. something new. And that's how we purchase it. So, yeah, you're always dealing Very with cool. general Very cool. dealers. Yeah, and and obviously Alpine uh, still still sponsored by Bell and Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, who who make cracking watches as well. I actually had a Bell and Ross for a little while. I had a an uh, what was it called? An, uh, I think it was a BR or an RB five. I can't remember. Um, and now I've got a, a Moon Watch, which I'm obsessed with. Um, but it's really cool. And I just saw it. It just sort of sparked my interest. I had a good good flick through his. Um, his Instagram page. Very cool. Well, best of luck with that. Sounds sounds tremendously exciting. Now, our final three questions. First of all, doesn't have to be racing related. Could be anything at all. What's got you excited at this very moment? My dog's here. <laughs> Honestly, I know it sounds yeah, a bit dark. Twinkle. Like, yeah, Twinkle's here. So what with work and um, when I started Alpine, I obviously moved away from home. So that meant leaving the dog with my mum um you know and it's hard to get back because she lives like two and a half hours away so it is hard to get back and see family um no one is here with me in Brackley um you know it's very much the people that I work with are the friends that I meet um I play for a local football team as well so again just trying to make friends in the area but but yeah actually having family come over this is the first time my mum and my little brother's come over since I moved which is about a year ago now so yeah, it is quite hard to get people to come out this way. And yeah, so I'm excited about having my dog here and family here. Very Obviously, nice. I'm more excited about the dog. Yeah, of course, <laughs> naturally. I've got, I've, we got a dog recently and um, his puppy, she's a, a Labrador retriever cross and all she does is dig massive holes in our garden. It's brilliant. Um, so struggling with with training at the moment. And But the, the, the good thing is, because she's a working dog, she's a, a gun dog, I'm walking 10 miles a day because she just has bundles of energy. So I'm probably fitter than I've ever been in my life. Um, second one for you, how much of your success do you put down to luck and right place, right time? And how much do you put down to sheer hard work and graft? God, I'd say probably, I'd say a good 90% is is hard graft. Because um, nothing really came up at the right time. It was just, uh, I mean, W Series took me about four months to get on to. And that wasn't, out of luck that was purely just having to keep grafting find the right people to talk to um so yeah I'd, I'd say a lot of it is just being persistent and massively pushing to find sort of who to speak to where to go um sacrificing a lot of time I, I gave up a lot of days off to go and um and book time off work as well to go and work for free as a volunteer in motorsport so yeah a lot of it is is hard grafting Maybe, maybe a little bit of luck in some places, I think, with knowing people. Um, you know, I knew one of the guys that worked on the race support team and uh, a lady who actually referred me at the start to put my CV into Alpine. So, yeah, I guess that's obviously a lucky thing. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'd probably say probably that kind of percentage. And final question for you before we let you um, go and give uh, Twinkle a walk or a chew of some variety. Um, what what are you scared of? I think the scariest thing I've ever done is bungee jumping. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah, I almost backed out of it. Uh, I went to Australia for a couple of a uh, couple of months, and uh, yeah, I I stood at the top of it and was like, I just don't know. Jumped out of a plane like the week before, no problem, absolutely fine. But this, I had to make the decision on my own. That's something that I had to do, and it, it genuinely terrified me. 
Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, with you. yeah, I think that it's it is terrifying bungee jumping. It's such an unnatural thing to do, just to push yourself off a little ledge and and hope that a giant elastic band pings and you're okay. Um, no, I'm with you. That's a good one. I don't think we've had, that's the first time we've had bungee jumping in like 170 <laughs> episodes. I think that's the first time someone's had bungee jumping. We've had like sharks and spiders, all the usual stuff, and weirdly cr- Crofty. I think he was winding me up. Had a fear of tea, tea bags, but yeah. I don't know what was going on there. Um, but um, no, bungee jumping. I'll take that. Well, listen, um, Cleo, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's fascinating to hear from you. Sounds like your career is on a real fast track. So um, long may it continue, and, and hopefully we'll see you um, in the Alpine. Um, uh, pit crew for the full-blown F1 team on a much more regular basis soon but for now thank you so much for joining us on the podcast thank you thank you for having me it's been a great time thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast do make sure you give us a follow on our socials Twitter at Motormouth underscore Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the Motormouth podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.